if my words did glow with the gold of sunshine and my tunes were played on the harp unstrung would you hear my voice come through the music would you hold it near as it were your own it's a hand me down the thoughts are broken perhaps they're better left unsung i don't know no great hey thank you yay we're back with reeds and weeds woo Jesse's here, Chris is here, Todd's here. Yes, and it's Chris took May off and I've missed her terribly. Aw, there she is. I missed you guys too. I felt empty inside. Did you? I'm sorry. I I did. I felt purposeless and lost. Oh, no. (laughs) Jeez, that that should be like on our marketing materials. It's like, you can either do my book club (laughs) Or feel purposeless and lost. It's your choice. Seriously. That's your choice. We're here to turn that around for you. <laughs> We're here to turn that around for you. So it's a good place you. to start. I it mean, is. Uh, you may as well. And pot. You miss yes. See, it makes so much sense. Every time I that's when you know you've got a great idea. You're like, wait a minute, let me re examine this. I'm gonna look at it from a different direction. It's like, nope, it's still cool. <laughs> Books. Pots are cool. Pots cool. Yep. Still, still on board. Still convicted about it. So um, this week we're talking about uh, the book "Musicking" by Christopher Smalls, and Jesse is the um, is a paraprofessional at my little right down the street Ypsilanti District Library. What? (laughs) Oh wow! Damn. Yes, and he. runs a visual book club there and he runs a guitar club there and he's in a band that I've known about for years called October Babies and he's in grad <laughs> school for music mm. therapy and nice. yes yes so he is the perfect person to Busy be here guy. talking about he has three kids make him want to take Holy a nap crap. right now just talking about just all that just listening you're like <laughs> you're never supposed to talk about all the things I'm doing in one in, just <laughs> Like, I, need like a it, vaca- I need a break. <laughs> I need a break. Quit talking about my life. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a lot. I didn't even get into, like, he has little art parties in his backyard, and he plays sometimes Aww. on Sundays at churches. Art night. We had art night last night. That's my uh, Brian Little. He's my upstairs neighbor, and that's yeah. his baby. He just sets out some tables and a whole bunch of uh, yeah, supplies. Uh, crayons and yeah. canvases and paints. And I made a ladybug painting that night. Mm-hmm. And we just sit out in the backyard. <laughs> I brought all that homemade our... ice cream last year. Oh, I yeah, you did. I brought three different kinds of homemade ice cream. I, I brought so a, much ice cream. I was on a spree. Wow. Right? Yeah. I, and we, we ate it in the backyard, and we like met strangers and just painted in the backyard. And then Jesse came and set up the keyboard, and it was so fun. It was so fun. So, um, yeah, so he was the perfect person. It's funny, on the way here, we were talking about how... I um, was like, I'm so glad you recommended this book. When did your book club do it? And he goes, we didn't do it. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. You, when your book club did it. I was totally believing that he was like an expert. He had already had a bunch of discussions about it. <laughs> he goes, no. Oh, my God. I just kind of thought it'd be a good book to do a book club around, you know, and then, remet, you know, got the copies for your book club. Oh, shoot. I didn't realize that. So um, 
<laughs> but but you'll understand, Chris, that he is the person to talk about this book with. So, um, oh, did you well, read I the? So. I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> then you're going to think we're both geniuses. Yeah. So, um, so Jesse, anything else? I'm going to wanna... pull it up though, real quick, and read <laughs> okay. a little bit about it while we're on the there podcast. Okay, okay. So catch me up. Just last, what's going on in your life besides all the stuff that I just talked uh, about? We got. I'm just yeah, we've got a thing called Ipsy Sings with Soul coming up at the Ypsilanti District Library. Oh um, wow! We're going to have we've got a, a group of local musicians and a bunch of local singers, and they're all singing soul music and some hip hop. Oh and, my gosh, that sounds so fun! Um, it's a sing along, so that's the whole point of it. We're gonna have the lyrics printed out, and we'll have the the performers will be leading people in song. So you should come to that. It's July 5th, downtown oh Ypsilanti. Chris, can you make it? Outside. That, that sounds so fun. A soul sing-along? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Within walking distance of my apartment? Yes. Done. <laughs> yes. On 4th July weekend? We're going to end with Purple Rain. Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the best. That's amazing. Yeah, let's do it. I love it. Well, Chris, what about you? Uh, you took May off. What you been doing besides feeling uh, hopeless and drifting? I don't really remember. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, just a lot of work. Um, yeah, May was crazy, and I guess we're a couple weeks into June, and um, it hasn't been as crazy, but um, just been busy, busy, busy with yeah, life, yeah. real estating and yeah, tutoring right. and yes. being a parent and all yes. of those things. Yes, yes, that's plenty too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I since I last talked to you, I mean, I went to Florida, went to South Carolina. My dad died. Yeah, I came back. Yeah, I went back to Texas. I was there for ten days. I just got back. Sold some insurance. <laughs> I mean, like, did uh, how's that going? How's yeah, the insurance bills going? It was no, it's really it's something I'm really super duper convicted about. So I have to call you and talk to you about it because, like, I talk okay, about cool. it all day, but it's like, let's talk about cancer and death right now, <laughs> you know, like, let's not. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm, oh I'm confused. God, are I... we going to or are we not? We're not going okay. to. <laughs> I mean, if it comes up, it I'm comes up. I'm up for anything. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it will come up naturally. Meanwhile, my mom's calling me right now. Shit, should we? Should I answer it? Should she be on the show real quick? Sure. No, never mind. Never mind. Well, you know what? She gave up on me. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I've been in so many. We should get her on Skype. That'll take about twenty minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what's that music? What was that music? Where'd it come from? Todd is doing some yeah. <laughs> okay 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 so let's talk about this book okay so yeah. um so it's about music I guess it's yeah, about musicking it's, it's music you, t- you, you do your take first okay. and I'll do my take second okay so you say I'm gonna what try to keep it about. simple okay because uh, I didn't watch him try to keep this book I didn't read simple. the whole book but uh okay I, I read some of it and I I researched it a bit um uh, music in- you're almost done click the add what the is that button. Then can you can you hear that, Chris? Uh, I can't hear it, but I just lost um, okay. whoever was talking. Maybe we need to mute that computer over there. Can you hear me now? No, <laughs> I can hear you now. Okay, loud and clear. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so musicing mm-hmm. is a verb, mm-hmm. and so music is a thing we do and not 
an object or a thing that we uh, move, you know, buy or sell or that sort of thing. It's it's all about the it's all about the verb, the act of musicking. And when we do, we music in these places, these venues. That um, the example he gives in the book is the symphony concert hall, mm-hmm. and that everyone has a role, including the ticket taker, the musicians on stage, the conductor, the audience members, and they're all acting out their ideal, uh, their ideal of relationships in in the society. So their ideal is that there's a one, there's a powerful leader up there, the conductor, who's who's like in charge, and the 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 score was written everybody the other musicians read the score and they basically worship the score because it's the supreme work of art and everyone's there to experience that supreme work of art and done by a genius created by a genius and then their role is to dress up nicely to sit very still not to make any kind of sound not to really do anything so be totally passive in your seat and enjoy the music and you know reap the benefits of that so that's one example of how people would music together in a place in society it would be different for a punk rock concert or a rap concert or even a jazz concert the relationship ideal relationships would look a little differently and people would you know act those out within the while they're musicing so Wait, the, hold on a second. Is yeah. this you keeping it simple? <laughs> That's I'm done. That's it. <laughs> I was like, "Wait a minute. This is Period. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't read it because Etc. <laughs> well, okay, so I my take would be that Christopher Smalls is a very academic, analytical, lifelong music professional who he has spent so much time, you know, in musical performances that he broke it all down into like what is this experience? Like the the piece of music, the notes on the page, that's not the music, you know. It's not just people moving their arms and legs around on instruments, you know. It's also why the audience is there, why it's created in the first place. And he breaks it up into, he, he writes the book um, as if he's doing the symphony performance, right? Like, first of all, you walk into the building you separate yourself from the outside world, then the musicians are separate from you, and then there's a certain social demeanor you're supposed to have. And then, so this is all about, um, he's specifically talking about the symphony, but what we wanted to do was talk about the book and then talk about, like, other types of, like, the reason why we played Ripple at the top was we were talking about, like, almost every really established music scene in this case the symphony or the grateful dead has these just really strong unspoken rules you know right the grateful dead is a great example because it's they they have their own kind of whole society their own culture that surrounds just the band you know right but think about think about that in any situation like symphony people aren't probably grateful dead people or they might be but you know what i mean like but no. you know they're not, <laughs> <laughs> they're not. <laughs> jesse gave that a hard no it wasn't even on the fence at all um so this guy led kind of a, a an amazing life he was a professor oh can you read your do you have it pulled up or would it take i don't him have out? it okay <laughs> just trust us Slapping. he was a professor at the <laughs> london at the elan school in london 
He was a professor of music. Yes. The university <laughs> level. Yes, yes. And that's as specific as we're going to be today, folks. Sorry about that. <laughs> Trust us. Christopher Smalls is um, he's the author of Music Society Education, Music of the Common Tongue, and Schoenberg. He was the senior lecturer at Ealing Col- College of Higher Education in London until 1986. And then he left there and moved to Spain and married his partner from Jamaica. Sweet. Um, Who was a dancer. Who was a dancer. We thought, what a cool couple they probably were. Give me a break. Um, Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) so Chris, uh, what we were talking about on the way here was like um, the relationship between, okay, wait. We talked about so many things on the way here. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, Wait a oh my god! Well, I think, I <laughs> Which think one we, was I going to grab from? We talked. Uh, we each gave our. We each gave our kind of uh, idea of you know what we gleaned from the book. Right. Sure. Sure. Maybe we could hear from Chris a little bit about what her um, you know experiences <laughs> with musicking yes, or what she yes. thinks about the idea even. Yes. Well, Chris. Not has, to put you on the spot. No, do it. Get, let it rip. Well, I mean, let me make sure that I understand the test question, which is that he, he's basically saying musicking is, you know, this sort of sociological um, experience. It's not just the music and the listener, but it's basically the whole, mm-hmm. the whole experience of it and what people bring to it. Am I, did I get that? Yes. Yes. And also like okay, cool. how the stage is built, why the seats face a certain direction, what the right. notes on the page right. indicate, you know, how people act, how they dress, what they expect yeah. to experience, all of those things that happen. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thoughts? Honestly, like, <laughs> does that make I mean, sense to you or do you, or do you think, do you not think that <laughs> let her talk um, I love it I love it um well I mean yeah obviously of course I mean the music when when there's a music thing happening um you know I I've been surrounded by in music enthusiasts and um and honestly in 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 myself it's kind of created a little bit of a rebellion like I so many people around me are so excited about going to see music that I let them be excited. And then I kind of sit back and go, gee, I don't know if I really want to do that or not. Mm. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally down with that. I mean, I, I feel like we do that for everything. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, we do it for everything. Like you think about taking this class and you immediately get in your head, like, where everybody's going to sit and the teacher's going to stand, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and parenting and how your house is set up, like fucking everything. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think it's cool to talk about it. Like I just read a blurb somewhere in the little prologue here about how um, we're, we're all born with music like we're born with um, speech mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the ability for speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty cool. I like that. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yes. So, so when one of the ways that he kind of breaks this down is he's he's kind of uh, setting the setting for his 
analysis is the westernized modern symphony orchestra, meaning once a town gets big enough, the way they can say, look, we're civilized now, is they have a concert hall. You know, they have a symphony house, right? And everybody knows what that means, right? Even if um, a lot of the things that are going on aren't really supporting any kind of high, like it becomes a business and all of that, but it sets up this set of relationships between how people are supposed to feel when they come into that building, what you're supposed to think of the conductor, um, and like how the conductor got to be the status that he is today and where that came from. Um, And it's interesting, like if you look at old paintings of sort of the symphony, I guess, he, I'll try to find that quote in here in a minute, but, you know, the music is almost like in the background, the way it would be in a bar if somebody was just like playing in a corner. Mm. The symphony was just like over there in the background. You weren't like dressed up and faced forward and quiet and, you know, taking cough drops and <laughs> you were just kind of partying, you know, and how right. it got to be the way it is now and you know, the way we're supposed to respect the geniuses that come. Anyway, I'm a rambling. <laughs> it was just a rambling. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I let it go for a minute. You know what I forgot about was the choo-choo. We need the choo-choo. Remember the choo-choo? Choo-choo. Yeah. No. I usually have, um, wait, oh, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> I usually have a little sign that says choo-choo, and okay. it means, like, we've derailed, like the train has left the station. Okay. Just, oh, that's fucking new when did no, that no we've been doing in that may, for a while in may no well, I, I think was taking we... <laughs> you just changed the whole thing <laughs> oh my gosh yep everything's different now good lord let's just people are calling me this is what it's like to have a phone guys i didn't have one for like it 24 is. hours and it was awesome it's constant <laughs> access it's constant access it's constant access even you even have to say like don't talk to me. You have to communicate with someone. Don't talk to me because they're like I know you've got your phone. You're supposed to be taking my exactly. calls, girl. Like, have you heard of boundaries? Um, I'm going to read a quote. Um, this book then is not so much about music as it is about people, about people as they play and sing, as they listen and compose, and even as they dance. For in many cultures, if no one is dancing then no music is happening. So integral is dance to the musical act and about the ways in which they, we, go about singing and playing and composing and listening. It is also about the reasons we feel the urge to do these things and why we feel good when we do them well. We could say that it is not so much about music as about people musicking. And then he takes Mm -hmm. kind of like the whole prelude um, and... One of the things that is kind of like a regular refrain is, like, why are we doing this? What's going on here? Like, that's the question he keeps asking. So do you know what I'm talking about, the question that he's asking, Jesse? No. Can you explain (laughs) a little bit more? Okay, okay. Why are we doing this? (laughs) He's he's talking about... Oh, my gosh. Um, He's... One of the things that he keeps coming back to is like, but what's really going on here? Mm. Like, why did all these people gather and learn what's this the underlying big composition? Like, objective? Yeah, why are all these sections of people sitting here facing this direction? What's really going on here? Mm-hmm. What are we trying to feel? What are we trying to prove? Why is it important? Right? Yes. It's a ritual. It's a ritual. And then that, there's a whole chapter on ritual. 
I didn't read that chapter. It's a ritual. <laughs> and, like and, but it's also, I mean, it's also that people are hungry for connection and music helps them feel connected to themselves. And weirdly, it helps us connect to each other. Yeah, it really does. It's, uh, I had a nonprofit called Community Records, and the idea was building community through music. And the underlying thing is that music is really good at bringing people together and connecting them. Um, yeah, and that's a, that's what's behind these sing-alongs I've been doing. We did a Beatles sing-along at the library, and now we're doing the Ipsy Sings with Soul. And the the thing behind it is is that it creates a sense of community, which is often lacking in our everyday lives. Here, we get on our screens and stuff, and then but we don't have that shared experience of of community, of being together. And uh, music is is one of the best ways to to give people that experience. And I think it's a valuable experience. I don't think it's worthless at all. I think it's, it's very important actually that people feel that it's the opposite of alienation. And, and, uh, so yeah. Well, I would say this book, like his take is that it's not the way symphonies are set up is really not for sharing. Like it's, yeah. when you go into it, you, you come in and you're supposed to be quiet. You know, you're like, there's usually an ante room, you know, like you enter the concert hall and yeah. you mill about and you get your tickets and your coffee and your drinks and you buy a program or whatever. And then there's another little carpeted area. And the, what the way he puts it is you're like leaving your outside world behind in stages. That's how concert halls are built. Like we pass through this wall and this is where we socialize, but we're passing into the room where we don't socialize. Everybody needs to get quiet. It's going to get dark. We're going to face forward. You're going to minimize your noise. You know, you hope you don't cough. You certainly aren't going to like shout at the musicians during the Mm -hmm. symphony, you know? And so... Although that might make it better. Sure, sure. But he's talking about that set of relationships of like, why did we decide to do it that way? Like why... What is what is our culture saying when the way that we experience that type of music um, is like, this is the set of social standards that we're supposed to uphold right now. Don't do anything vulgar. You know, don't show a lot of cleavage in the symphony. <laughs> you know? Be very restrained. Be restrained. Like, you, you're probably not going to get up and just dance around, and you know, because that's the rules there. God, I hate those kind of shows. Yeah. But still, yet, yet, everyone there is as passive as Fuck they may that, be, man. as restrained and passive as they may be, they're still feeling, they're still connecting uh, interpersonally oh, yeah. through the music. Yeah. That is true. And I think music, the the reason that it does that, it's so good at that. One reason I think is that it, 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 the sound goes through us. Like Mm -hmm. it, it's actually touches us. The, the music actually physically touches like all of, all of us. That sounds, I'm, (laughs) that sounds really (laughs) a bit much, but but it really does. The sound waves, you know, it's not like it just bounces off of us. I'm thinking about in a um, way that we can't you can't you know it touches the our the inside of us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well it's it's the waves. Literally. It's the waves. Yes, for real. I'm creeping myself Literally. out. Literally. Literally. <laughs> I'm creeping myself out. I don't want to be it's around true, me though. right now. <laughs> Talking about waves touching me on the inside. <laughs> Weird, man. Um no, I was thinking about uh a few years ago a friend of mine got me 
uh, you know how Top of the Park, they have the big concerts at Power Center or, you know, Hill or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it must have been the Power Center, now that I'm thinking about it. So Trombone Shorty, right? Rockin', yeah. right? And my, we got tickets, and it's a rockin' show. And everybody's just being really polite, because it was like a high-ticket item. I got him for free, because my mom's friend, like, works for Top of the Park. So we got him for free, and I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm sitting down during this show, you know? I've got on a little sundress, you know? And I've never been to the Power Center, so I'm just like, I can't sit here. I'm driving myself crazy, you know? So I just, you know, yeah. fourth row kind of middle right, I just got up and started dancing. And then a couple of other people, after about three songs, a couple of other people. And then they pointed at me and told me to come up. (laughs) And I went up on stage. Really? Yes. In this little green Who was they? The band? Trombone Shorty Band. (laughs) I was like... Because they were like, thank you so much for dancing. You know, they were just so... I know. They were like, why the, the fuck... The musicians always want you to dance, Yes. Man. Chris, Chris and I got dance policed at Bonnie Raitt a few years ago in Vegas. <laughs> Remember? We were the only ones dancing yes. at Bonnie Raitt, and we got dance policed to the back. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, and I guess, like, it's weirdly, like, Las Vegas venues have this reputation, which we didn't know. Have not. this reputation Lame. of people just want to go and watch the show. Yeah. They don't want to dance. Right. I didn't understand. And, and in, <laughs> in Boulder, yeah, it was weird. Mm-hmm. In Boulder, uh, we have Chautauqua, which is this outside old ass music venue um, at this park that's amazing. And um, yeah, it's so you can go and hear the music for free if you stand outside the venue because mm-hmm. they kind of open it up, or you if you can get tickets and go and whatever. So one time, Joan Armatrading was playing <gasps> there. What? Yes. Yes. Beautiful. And I was like, oh, my God. So I went and didn't have tickets, but I was dancing my ass off, and somebody gave me a ticket, so I got to go in. So I went in, and nobody was dancing. And I, it was the same thing. I was on, like, the third or fourth row, and I just started dancing. And I got police. They made me move to the back, but it was like – but she was so happy to see people dancing. It was yeah. just like – yeah. Show so some emotion. Show some emotion. Dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that's the song. I mean, that's what she's singing. But, if but you you can't. You got to sit down and not show it. But if you're it. sad, then let those tears flow mm. down. How do you song. not get up and move to Joan Arma fucking trading? I mean, oh not only that, but the fact that she's in America in enough, some little town but I am is open crazy. To East or West, where's the best? Oh, my God. That's one of my favorite fucking songs. How did we get on Joan Arma's trading? Album. Album, Dude. album, like yeah, like seriously, <laughs> a legend, album. a legend, album, yes, um, yeah. Okay, so that was a little bit of a tange. <laughs> Tangerine. <laughs> Let's go back to the book. Let's go back to the book. Back to the book. A place for source. hearing. A place for hearing. Oh, so I'm feeling like he's really stuck on this whole orchestra metaphor situation so the whole thing is organized around it Mm -hmm. why don't you guys tell me more about that because i'm kind of not getting why it's just because from that point of view so much oh that's just his world do you know what i mean he was a oh that's his world that's his world yeah he was the professor of music 
at Ealing, Co- Ealing University in London. Do you want to? Okay. He was a musician. He was a classical pianist. That's his world, right? His okay. whole life. So he's talking about it, and he does talk about other. He talks about other rituals. He talks about um, other styles of music. But he the for, the skeleton of this book is sort of he frames it around walking into a concert, then I mean a, a symphony hall, then you know how the audience faces the. And then how they treat the conductor and what, what a big deal he is and how they it's hard it is to become one of those people and how it's kind of arbitrary. And then he talks about, you know, the music and how everybody's supposed to respond. So he kind of – and he, he's just doing like an analysis of what, it, what all of those pieces of that experience mean, right? And okay. in doing that, he's calling it all musicking. Right. Music, okay. musicing has to do with the building, the people, the expectation, the notes on the page, the intention of the notes on the page, the musicians, the conductor, the level of okay. the stage, like everything. Right. So he's just looking okay. at each part of that. Does that make sense? So, yeah, I got it. So, okay. okay. So I'm. My my next question is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. Um, why the fuck do I care about that? Why should I care about that? Like what? Well, I I'm kind of lost. At, like is, oh. is this just like it's a book like an intellectual exercise about like parsing out like this like how this music like. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just academic. Music thing happens. Yes, it, yeah. It's just academic study. It's like music theory, kind of. Yeah. Well, it's okay. a it's a theory of how music functions in our lives mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. That's and it, he uses this metaphor to to get his theory across. Mm-hmm. But he could have he could have analyzed. It could have been a Grateful Dead concert instead of okay. uh, mm-hmm. instead of a symphony. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. One of the things he talked about in the chapter called A Thoroughly Contemporary Affair is, um, you know, how, how structured everything is. It's not like you just wander down the street and a band is playing there. You know, there's this very specific set of instructions about how everything's supposed to go and how you're supposed to dress and um, paying the fee and all this kind of stuff. And one of the things he talks about is restricting access so like let's say there's brilliant musicians just everywhere then you can't charge that much for that one really brilliant musician because like the word's out so if you put it in a building you charge a higher price you don't bring that person that area very much suddenly it becomes more exclusive and then you know it, it seems to have more value which restricts like that means even if there's a million great conductors out there hardly any of them can just like do it for a living you know or B, you may have like some of the greatest violinists in the world just kind of sitting in their backyard because they don't know how to play the game of getting into that scene, right? And there's this paragraph in here that reminds me so much of comedy because there's all these mechanisms for restricting entrance to the big time circuit. And one of them is competitions. And that's the same in comedy. Like this person won da 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 at the Just for Laughs Festival. This person was seen on this thing. And it's like you if you can get through those things, you have this access, you know, and, and that's mm. built into the system. It's built into the system yeah. of sports, it's built into the system of music, it's built into the system of um of comedy for sure. And one of the things uh 
you know, if if you're losing a lot of those contests, then you're kind of in the minor circuit. Same with music. And that's part of musicking is that whole thing of like, well, then what do we do with mm. that? What's the best way to um, to. Like for me, my favorite way when somebody goes, oh, do you want to go to that new Little Caesars arena and see? I'm like, probably not. <laughs> it's way too big for me. I would lose my freaking mind. Yeah, you I know? prefer the smaller <laughs> venues myself. I want like 45 people and like I know most of them. <laughs> and uh, I it's easy to park and um, I can see the person <laughs> yeah. and talk to them afterwards. There's <laughs> a certain kind of speed. people get... The crowd, you get kind of a certain high off of like a big, large yes, crowd of yes. people gathering together for whatever it is. Right, right. So I think that's appealing to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Just being in a huge crowd. Maybe it's the like Summerfest vibe and Hoxieville and Beaver Island, like little festivals like that where there's a crowd of people, but they're also we're away from each other. Like we're not crammed into uh-huh. a building. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. I can do that. Right. Yeah, me too. I don't want to be crammed into Shit, a building man. with a bunch of people. Even, even at Red Rocks, where it's open air and it's totally epic, like there's so many people. Yeah. And there's so much cigarette smoke and pot smoke, but with the cigarette smoke, it's like unbearable. It's like yeah, really intense. It's like too intense. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 I'm rather like yeah. Well, I just want to have. Did you ever do one of those tiny concerts at my house? No. You never came over in the backyard and played like two instruments with one or two other people? For no. Yes, you did. No. I, we, we did I feel a, like um, you just did. We did the art uh, artist support group. We remember did that. when you came over to my friend Jennifer's backyard and you played your new songs for us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there that. was like four people watching. Yeah. <laughs> so that happened. That's awesome. Okay. That's one. And then the other one was you were sitting in my backyard at the I didn't realize table. it was a tiny concert. <laughs> tiny concert. I just pulled that my guitar the, out. That was the tiny concert. Dude. No, no, no. But my friend Jerome, we had him over and we rearranged the room and the lights and stuff because it was in winter. And we invited people. There was like six people there. And we had a spotlight on him and stuff. But it was in my living oh my room. Oh, my God. We, it was in my living room. So I've had three or four of those. Maybe you just didn't, maybe I didn't tell you you were playing a concert. Yeah. Hey, I don't think you knew I was bringing my guitar. Playing. Okay. Okay. So my point is um, sharing with strangers. Do you see this? He says, it is an odd thing that Lipsitz reminds us of. So he's quoting someone in Time I think Passages. He's a, a conductor. Whether it be a play, a film, or a musical that we have to come and see and hear an opera, symphony concert, or a pop concert, profess- professional wrestling bout, football game, tennis match, we accept without thinking that not only the performers, but also most, if not all, of the audience will be strangers. We're prepared to laugh, weep, shudder, be excited, or move to the depth of our being, all in the company of the majority of people we've never seen before to whom we shall probably address not a word or gesture and whom we still never see again. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. When else do we get to do that? Yeah. Those. Yeah. That's why I think it's like sports, you know, like, Oh, I get it. We're all going to scream together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is kind of fun. (laughs) That is kind of fun. Oh, every once in a while we shout and stand up. I can do that. I get it now. I never understood. All right. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're going to watch them play a game and then we stand up and shout. I can do that. Dude, I was a cheerleader. Come on. Um, 
what did I say? Rock shows. Oh, listen to this. He's talking about the complex spiral of relationships that are created by the performers, not only with the participants' relation to one another, but also with the participants' relationships to the world outside the performance space. And, you know, so like the relationship you have with the person you're going to the show with, the relationship between you and the musician, the musician's relationships, and all of that swirling around together as the music is being made. Um, And he also talked about, okay, now he's talking about rock shows. And he says, some popular artists go to the point of behavior on stage that under other circumstances could be interpreted as an invitation to sex. But woe betide any deluded member of the audience who takes the invitation seriously and tries to join the performer on stage. There'll be a team of heavies hired for that purpose, waiting to bundle him or her off and not too gently either. The nearest anyone not in the performer's charm circle will get to them will be in line for an autograph to the end of the show. So one of the things he's talking about is there's this major emotion and, and knowledge and everything being communicated between the musicians and the audience. But there's also the understanding is you can't take action on it right now. Right. Like, <laughs> right. You can't like, I'm feeling things and I want to run it's up. It's expressing and, those feelings. Yes. yes but not the act. <laughs> 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 I like the show, about you know. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm trying to think of the lamest way to do that, and I think I've the music it. is a container for <laughs> for all those relationships happening. You know, music is a container for, and and another thing that music does that is totally not related to what we're talking about is um, helps us process emotions. I really see that, and I've, I've studying music therapy. I've I've come to realize that we are often processing emotions through listening to music. Chris, yeah. Chris, are you Most using definitely. the microwave? Am I what? Are you using the microwave? <laughs> are you cooking up some soup? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think that was the machine next door. The machine next door? <laughs> are you okay? The machine They're building door. that house in California. Are you in San Diego? Oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that was real. Like, every morning, whether you were ready or not, they were working on that house. No, it's happening. <laughs> it's still happening. But the fact, like, when you said the machine next to my house, I immediately, like, you were being attacked by Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, there goes so Optimus Prime again. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's 7 o'clock this morning. I'm like, honestly, what is that noise? And I, then I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter what that noise is because 10 seconds later, there's a new noise. <laughs> a lot. We are having a common experience. Yes. That is are. about the noise is a container for frustration. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Is that why you went back? Is you just missed it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I'm, not I'm right. getting my allergy shot. The noise is gone. <laughs> Honey, I used to hate the noise, but now that there's no noise, I can't sleep at all. That's how I felt when I moved from, like, when I live in Ipsy, you know, and I sleep with the windows open. And mm-hmm. I'm just used to, like, college students and trains and Screams. And sirens yes. and screams. <laughs> <Exactly>. Gunshots. <laughs> Gunshots. And I went and stayed with my friend in Texas, and their house was so quiet. And I would just be laying there like, are we safe? Oh, my God. <laughs> 
It's too quiet. And it's like spooky, right? Yes, yes. Like, I know there's something going on out there. There's something out there. At least in Ipsy, I'm like, oh, I know what that's. Oh, that's just a drunk girl scream. What's that? Oh, I know that guy. <laughs> that guy starts ranting about this time on Thursdays. He's fine. He'll get it out of him. He's fine. Oh, good Lord. Um, Back to the book. Choo-choo. All right. Um, let's see. Jesse. <laughs> he's playing a keytar. I've got my own Paul Schaefer thing going on. Yeah, he does. Here. He does. I, nice. I, I've hired a band <laughs> for the show. That's where we are now since you left is I hired a band. Jesus. Can you hear him? Probably Dad? have an associate producer. Can you hear him on the... Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. I hear it. Oh, you hear it. Oh, I love it. That okay. was transition music right Oh, there. thank you. You're Let's welcome. move on to the conductor. To the, to the conductor. So tell me what you think about conductors. You've worked with conductors, Jesse, right? Chris, you have a permanent smile on this <laughs> no, you're on, on this, this laptop. It's just a you are so happy, just you're constantly, like... <laughs> just constantly smiling. What is grin. who I am? Just so you know, <laughs> your positivity is inspiring to me, and I get that feedback a lot. Let me tell you, uh, yeah. She sure does. Conductors. I took Oh a, yeah. <laughs> I took a conducting class last semester and it blew my mind. I for a while I deeply hated it. Really? Uh but I learned so much about um conducting and I am not an expert really? on conducting. I've had one class, but this is these are my thoughts on conducting. You the conductor embodies the music, and it made me a better musician because it made me realize that when I'm playing music, I not only need to be playing the music and thinking about it and feeling it, I need to embody the music. And that if you're a really oh. good, I mean, it makes sense in dance especially. It's very clear there that yeah. you, you are embodying the music when you're dancing to it. Or, But the, the conductor is in charge of memorizing or knowing the score really, really well. The conductor knows every little bit about the score and makes interpretations based on his or her uh, ideas about music and who, you know what, what they think of the composer's intentions. Then the, the conductor like, basically teaches it to the, the orchestra and the performers have a little bit of interpretation going on because they're musicians and they play a certain way, but mainly the conductor is in charge. They're just a tool to to make that score come alive. And the conductor comes up. They are so unique. Every conductor is unique, unless you're a really bad, just robot conductor. But they're like they're so unique. They have unique styles and ways of doing it. And they're often these mavericks. Um, but they get up there and they they embody like, that do music. Do they come in on a horse? <laughs> Pretty much. You should see Leonard Bernstein conduct. He, I don't know if you've ever seen him conduct, but he is so dramatic. He is just throwing himself all over the stage and just, you know, really getting dramatic and pulling that music, pulling it out of the performers, pulling it out of the instrumentalists. And uh, it's oh. it's pretty awesome. But the 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 conductor literally embodies the music. That's his job or her job. Wow. Wow, that was good. 
That was more, you know what I was wondering yeah. is like, do you think it's a real thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. My question was like, so, so they just, just waving I, his arms I around. feel like I could do it, you know, because I'm like, what's he really doing? Uh, and when I, I like, I you thought know, a little bit of that until I got up in front of, of the Of course, of course, because you're like, you don't know what it's like, supposed to sound God. like. But I even think of, remember Miss Parker conducting us? Yes. The choir, directing the choir. And, yeah, and, and you yeah. have to stare at her. Like, when are we coming in? Oh my gosh, we got to go up. Oh my gosh, we got to get quiet. You know, like in knowing exactly what she meant, even when we were 14 years old, you know, yeah, we just true. understood. And that's why it's important. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so we, in our class, we had to uh, mem- memorize the music and get up in front of the class and, and do it. Pull the, pull the parts out of the trumpets, make the really? flutes. Uh, use our body to tell the flutes to quiet down at a certain spot. We do a general crescendo here and just know every little detail and, and play the orchestra. Wow. Yeah. So the, the Super chapter, hard. that chapter is called the language of gestures. The, the chapter that's about conductors because yeah. um, it's, and it's also, the the way that people pers- like he's the star you know it's almost like if mm-hmm. um if a virtuoso violinist got on stage mm-hmm. and you know what i mean and they sort of hold their violin out at the end and like point to it like there's the thing i play but so you see the conductor bow and then he kind of just puts his hand back there to the orchestra and mm-hmm. they're like yeah we just did what he said and was on the paper and conductors you know? <laughs> conductors have relationships with their orchestra some have tumultuous ones some some are you know uh autocratic or whatever you call it yeah tyrannical and some are very uh interpersonal and but they all have to have authority they all you have to yeah. have that oh, authority sure. of being in charge of the orchestra oh yeah, and how do you get there? what I think is like how do you so one of the things that he talks about is how they try to get there you know like because you get a better there's only so many concert houses and you want to be this badass conductor but where do you practice where where's the you know the minor league conductor circuit where's that happening you you (laughs) study the score you 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 study the score you um i think maybe i mean where do you start you're 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 16 years old you want to be a conductor do you start with your high school marching band you just love the music so much you're um performing um you're performing in an orchestra perhaps or oh you're performing in an orchestra and you step out Mm -hmm. huh yeah i don't really know (laughs) (laughs) good guess though but but i'm guessing that and and in um you know in school musicians go to school for music and then uh they're recognized for their ability to understand music and someone who really really loves classical music and really understands it Mm -hmm. you know the people in that world are going to take notice yeah and uh, generally if it's a conductor they're going to make sure people take notice because of course so it's just like cooking or comedy or engineering or anything I guess what's the main difference about it is it's a business, it's the business art combo that you don't really have to wrestle with in an, in an arena like, 
like if you're an engineer that builds something very practical, you don't have to wrestle with like, is this art or is this commerce? Well, you get a you get a a job at like the conductor of the DSO, and you're in that job for years and years and years. Yeah, but you also have to raise a lot of money. You know, so you're an artist. It's like one of the things he talks about is the conductor kind of, doesn't have to raise the money, though. It was, it's he the, probably has to show up and kiss some ass of donors, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Haven't right. you seen Mozart in the Jungle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that happens. Have you seen that, Chris? Have you seen Mozart in the Jungle? I've never seen that. Is that a show. real thing? Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! It's a great show about the New York Symphony, and it's and it's so funny and great, and it's got um. Oh gosh, what's his name? He was in Motorcycle Diaries. Gael Garcia. Oh, that guy. You know who I'm talking about? Super cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He is the conductor. It's great. Oh wow! Everybody should watch it, it. I think I saw it on Amazon Prime. It was fantastic. So listen to this. He's talking about um, in the A Humble Bow, uh, that chapter. One of the things he's talking about is. Um, when you experience music, you know, let's say you hear you're at, you go to a great, big, huge, amazing concert. Then you get in the car and you listen to one of those songs on the way home. And then a couple of days later, you're shopping at like Walgreens, you know, when you hear the same song and how different it is, you know, how different it is in each arena. And one of the things that he talks about with Muzak, you know, M-U-Z-A-K, says if all music is ethnic music, then the ethnicity of programmed music is capitalism. Isn't, oh. that, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's just talking about, like, who claims what music and what, what does claiming it mean to their status, you know? Or, like, what set of things you're supposed to, you're probably going along with. Like, Jesse and I were talking about <clears throat> folk music on the way here. So, what were you saying about folk music and why it's your, you know... It's more informal, and there's interaction, more interaction. Uh, they're more, the musicians are on more of an equal level with the participants, the audience. Um, like in the symphony, the conductor is up on a huge podium. Um, in the in the the group is on a stage, but folk music is generally you think of a coffee houses or just it can exist in on an equal level with the participants. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's my captain obvious statement of the evening. Yeah. Um, But I mean, that's why I like it because it's not this, this hugely formal thing and the folk music is musicians are of the people and it's the themes are different. Yeah. 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 He talks in, um, about ritual, um, I can't remember which one this was, but about ritual and how, you know, weddings, funerals, christenings, name days, retirement parties, graduations, you know, like there's music that goes with that, that's part of that ritual and like how it came to be that way. I play, mm-hmm. um, I play at churches and at, um, and I've done a lot of that as just a musician being hired to play for this event or that event. And, um, I, yeah, I've been involved in a lot of rituals as a, as a musician, um, weddings and funerals and that sort of thing. And music is a very important part of it, mm-hmm, all those. Mm-hmm. I have two. I just realized. I was like, oh, yeah. 
I've sung at weddings. Have I sung at funerals? I don't think Again, so. it helps people feel connected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to process it. emotion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it gives people a, it gives people a, also, it's like a center. It gives people some structure to the whole event. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Chris, I have to tell you this. Um, I was just thinking about, you know, my dad's funeral was May, like, 12th or 13th, I think. And my brother, Robbie, is on the praise team, little small southern church, you know. But they have, like, a little barbershop deal called the praise team. And it's two women cool. and three men, I think. And it's they're so good. And they sang a couple of my mom and my dad's favorite songs. And it was nice. so awesome. It was so awesome. I bet. And then, so my dad um, was a salesman all around the southeast, like ag- agriculture products, agriculture chemicals, stuff like that. And he... Um, had this friend, Chris, I, don't, I can't remember if I told you this, but he had this friend that he's known for a really, really long time that's really fun, and we asked him to do the eulogy. And he got, like, applause breaks. I mean, it was the most entertaining wow. freaking thing. He, We're like, you know, he's going to be reverent. He loved Larry, and he's going to be reverent, but he's also probably going to be funny. And we're like, yes, that's what we need. That's what we want, you know. And of course, yeah. of course, Southern funeral, pre-funeral, of course, we're all eating chicken, fried chicken in the back of the church. And so he came out on the stage or came out in, you know, at the pulpit and he, he had this like saran wrapped piece of fried chicken and he threw oh it, my God. he threw it to the pastor in the front row and he's like, Hey, Dot and Betty told me you might need this chicken because this is going to take a while and you might get hungry. He threw oh my a piece God. of fried chicken at the pastor. So everybody started off laughing. And uh, so we went from like the singing, this really fun, beautiful singing to this guy that was just, he had props, he had stories. It was, it was pretty great. It was pretty great. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you say he was a friend of your dad's? Mm-hmm. They were like colleagues, like sales competitors for years. Wow. Know, probably 20 or 30 years. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. And uh, it was it was wonderful. But the praise team was great, and it was like, oh, good, they're singing. It's so good they're singing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, ba, ba, ba. Do you want to play something for us, Jesse? Uh, what in what context? Of course you do, Chris. <laughs> for, for give what? him a give him a um, play that Skype song. <laughs> the Skype song. <laughs> Skype sucks. Oh, Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is that how it goes? Oh, wait. We're we're adjusting microphones. Or play just something you love to play. Is there something you love to play? Okay. Play this little tune. Jesse, Jesse Morgan, everyone. On this, is it a keytar? It's a kitar. Kitar. Woo! Yeah, sure. I'm going to look up some, some valid quotes. We've never had a live musical guest, Chris. It's a big day. It's a big day here at Reads and Weeds. First live musical guest. <laughs> Usually it's just me singing short verses like that. <laughs> First live musical guest. Okay. <laughs> All right. That song is already so good. Um, 
Yeah, Ooh. play something bouncy and lovely. <laughs> bouncy and lovely. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see what I have here. Got a piano sound. Piano sound. Yes. Um, Just to just to get weirded, just get weird as we can be. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing to do is to improvise. Oh, yeah. That was like gypsy, circusy kind of jam, right? You got the right? shakers. Is that what you yeah, got, Chris? That was awesome. That was awesome. Well, thank you. That's great. You. I want that played at all of my carnival-esque events, please. I've, it's done. <laughs> done. Consider it done. Done, done, done. Okay, Back one to the more. book? No, one more. Oh, one more? One more, because I like that first little jam. That was very okay, different. Okay, you start so it out. You start out. Should we do organ or strings or piano or I don't know synth or brass? Brass. Brass. Sure. Brass. Wait, I don't know. That I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of hard, dude. That one's pretty good. Uh, let's do strings. Strings. Okay, sure. Weird. Sweet. That was like, no, no, no. That was on the soundtrack of that movie from the 80s about the guy with the car. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? What? That last song sounded like it was on a soundtrack from the 80s, you know? Yeah. This this keyboard is from the 90s, I believe. Oh, it's pretty groovy. It's a keytar. It's pretty groovy. It has a neck. Wait a minute. Play. Hold on. Let's talk about the book a little more, and then you can play that other thing you got. Okay. Okay. Let's do that because I like that book. thing. Back to the book, folks. Back to the book. Back Let's talk about. To the <laughs> Back to the book. <laughs> Back nice. to okay, we'll work the on book. that one. Oh, I was just making up that movie, but is that real? The Wraith. Oh, scary. I have not seen it. But look at this cast. Oh, my goodness. Charlie Sheen, Randy Quaid. Come on now. What are you talking about 1996. now? 1996. This. He just put this, you know, the listener wouldn't know that Todd <laughs> just put up a movie on the screen and now I'm talking about it. I'm with you now. Okay. So, um, but, 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 score. Let's talk about the score. A score, how would you define the score, a musical score? What is it? The score as a is the student? piece of music, a set of coded instructions. Yes. It's sure. a set yeah. of, I've yes, it never is. thought of it that way, right? And he's it is, like, yeah. it's, you know, the 
the people who understand this set of instructions understand how that co- set of coded instructions matches this device they're holding. Isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a whole relationship between that. I'm putting these marks on paper, and a Fuck yeah. 300 years later, you're sitting down in front of it and picking up, and we're commuting, like... It's, it's a powerful thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's time travel, dude. <laughs> it's time travel right there. Yeah. It's time travel. Well, yeah, man. That's, it's just another kind of language. Yes, yes. And you need, you don't speak it. The instrument speaks it. Or your vo- you use your voice to do it, you know? Um, I've just never thought about it that way. It's like, yes, I'm following coded instructions. These are symbols that I understand. In jazz, there's a thing called the real book, mm-hmm. and it is like the most popular songs of jazz standards of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is notated, and it, the notation, the instructions aren't nearly as complex or detailed mm-hmm. as they are on classical music. Right. It's but um, it's 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 much more. Um, j- general and but that exists that that (laughs) coded instruction exists for jazz but for like rock i mean you can get the chords but that's even less detailed then it becomes less detailed right right. and there are a lot of people out there that play music and are really great at it that do not read music oh yeah oh yeah and so then he talks about um notating which comes a long way after composing and have you composed yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay See, that is just one of those things that seems so... I've always wanted to write for movies or TV. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. You can be the official musician for this show if you want okay. to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, hired. it's a step in the right direction, <laughs> and so we got to find a sponsor. Um, so <laughs> sponsor. <laughs> we need a sponsor. We got to find so. a sponsor. <laughs> we got to find a sponsor. <laughs> we need a sponsor. <laughs> we should cut that out and literally Loop send it. it to people. Yeah, just we need a sponsor. We need a sponsor. <laughs> we would really like a sponsor. <laughs> what? Would you like to be a sponsor? I feel ya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. Do it right now. We are. We're saying it. Live on the air. We need a sponsor. We need a sponsor. Somebody please sponsor us. Todd, tell me what you're saying. I just can't hear. Turn yourself on. I can't understand what you're mouthing. I said you can do it right now. You can actually record it on your cell phone. Record what? That okay we'll do it we'll and, do it and then you can sure. send and then you can email it yeah and they can be used constantly oh, being right. played okay oh my gosh let's do this right now hold on chris you gotta harmonize i'm gonna hold we'll need a sponsor okay. yeah, like we that. need We're a sponsor no, hold we on. need a sponsor no, 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 no. any of those notes will work no it'll be like Sponsor us. We need a sponsor. Sponsor. 
sponsor. We need a sponsor. It was perfect. Gosh, it was perfect. You're so good. We're going to sponsor. I can't even use the phone. We're going to get one with that song. Oh, for sure. They're probably already calling us. Okay, we recorded 50 seconds. We can get a little sponsor clip out of there. Perfect. So glad we checked in on that, Todd. We would have missed that opportunity. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Jesse got to play more. I could have been using the shaker the whole time. Oh, you didn't didn't shake the shaker? We need a sponsor. I was trying to hold the phone up. I was holding. (laughs) You're doing a lot. You're doing a good job. I know. It's okay. It's okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, There is, so in in the section called Score and Parts, um, the reverence accorded to the composer's score suggests that it is a sacred object which is not to be tampered with, whose authority over the actions of all the musicians playing here tonight is absolute. It commands absolute stillness and silence from those devotees who have assembled to hear it perform. So there's this reverence to the and when I think about that, it's like yes, you don't want to you don't want a piece of music to disappear forever, but the way people treat sometimes like this thing, this object, is oh. like well, it's just. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Can we go like angels in heaven? Something like that? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. This is great. Uh, <laughs> uh, nice. It was a little reverent, and then it got weird right there at the end. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's a major seventh. <laughs> it was a I love different it. choice. Right. Okay, I wanted to talk to you specifically about that. This is something that I wonder if you'll understand. This sounds like something Ross Huff would say. Have you ever hung out with Ross and and talked about music? No. Oh, my God. Listen to this. There is another aspect to the logic of harmony. Okay, now we've moved on to harmony, heavenly harmony. This is a chapter about... um, I'll just read it. Wait, 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 wait. There is another aspect to the logic of harmony, and that is that it operates within the closed circle of pitches that is called equal temperance. Here I go. (laughs) You ready? Chris, see if you can follow this. Every student of elementary acoustics knows that the interval of an octave is the oral experience of doubling the frequency of a tone, while that of a perfect fifth is the experience of multiplying its frequency by one and a half or three over two. Now, no matter how many times we multiply any number, in this case, the frequency of a tone, by three over two, it will never come out to a number that is the same as multiplying it by two. So raising the pitch by a sequence of perfect fifths will never come out to an octave or multiple octaves. There is always a small gap, which is called the comma, and the circle remains open. (laughs) Right on. <laughs> do you know what that means, Jesse? I do Obviously. know what that means. Cr- Chris, do you know have any idea what that means? I was with it through like the first half. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Jesse, I was can with you it. Expl- more of a more of a. I can't explain any better than that. Like I remember that feeling in my mouth, uh, you know, more than I could really write it down in that definition. Okay. Feeling yeah. in your mouth. I don't know if I understand what that means. Speak, yeah, speak like don't that. you don't you like any time that you're you're harmonizing or you're trying oh, to find yeah. that complimentary yes. touch. I mean, that's what you're doing. I yes, mean, yes, he, yes. they're just saying it in math form. Oh, you're when right. That's cool. I get it. I get it. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. But I was yeah, trying to figure out. Yeah, they're just talking about. 
Was play, a couple of things, play a couple of things that are like, this is this, and I go up a half step and it's this, and this is a major. Like, just explain that well, on that little Well, I thing. can explain the circle of fifths, the way that, I think he's talking about how music is naturally laid out, like how it, how it mathematically, uh, is mathematically related. So, you got your C major scale, you got your G major, then you go up a perfect fifth to G. This is going through the circle. Then you go up a perfect fifth to D. Shelly, do you know what the next one is? Fifth up from D, that's an A. That's an A. And then perfect fifth up from that is an E. It's going to end here. Then perfect fifth up from there is goes to a B. B to an F sharp. F sharp to a C sharp. C sharp to a G sharp. G sharp to a D sharp. Um, e E flat, we'll say, to a B flat, B flat to an F, and F goes back home, perfect fifth up to a C. So oh, that's wow. the circle. If you go backwards, which I won't do, <laughs> is is in fourths. Okay, sorry. So that's how the keys are all related to each other. So when music, people write music or play it, it naturally flows in that direction. Hmm. Oh my gosh, I don't know anything. I thought this show don't was going to make me feel smart. Yeah, taking this, we we had to study this when we were in choir. I remember taking the test. Oh gosh, I'm sure. Yeah, I, knew I do. It. I'm sure I knew it. Now I feel you did. You knew it better than I you did. Don't really need to know it. No, nope. yeah. It's just it, like yeah. it, after the fact. It's like theory after form. Yeah, right. you know what I think. Or practice. Though? I mean, sometimes I realize like there's there's so many worlds. Like when I hear something like that, and I realize like, oh, some people 100 percent quickly understand exactly what that means, right? They understand it in context. Yeah. they understand it. You know what? You know, like sometimes talking to Ross yeah. Huff, like Ross will just go off on a musical thing, right? And um, I'm just like, I like how you play the trumpet, mm -hmm. <laughs> but. I don't know any of those other things you're talking about. And you realize there's a whole world, and I don't have time yeah. to learn about it. Yeah. You know, it's and you probably too don't big. need to. Don't need to, but maybe one. You probably know a lot more about <laughs> comedy than we do. Right. What is that? What does that even matter? <laughs> Hold on one second. We need a sponsor. <laughs> we need a sponsor. Come on, give me a sponsor. A sponsor. Okay. We've written like five songs. Like on the way here, we were like, maybe he's like, how does this usually go? I'm like, well, we'll try to stick to the book. Chris will be on Skype, you know, this and that. And then I'm like, and maybe we'll write a couple songs. But I didn't know if it would really happen. But here we go. Okay. Let's talk about Harmony, Heavenly Harmony, another quote to end the chapter with. And I actually put, what a sentence to end the chapter with. We can never recapture, no matter how we try, the impact on the first hearers of, say, those violent dissonances at the beginning of the last choral movement of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, or even the famous repeated dissonant E-flat against F-flat chord in Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. Those who ride the tiger can never dismount. <laughs> That's how he ends that paragraph. Say that again. Those that... He's, he's talking about, like, so listen to the sentence before and then the next sentence. This is one sentence. 
We can never recapture, no matter how we try, the impact on the first hearers of, say, those violent dissonances at the beginning of the last choral movement of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, or even of the famous repeated dissonant E-flat against F-flat chord in Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. Next sentence. Those who ride the tiger can never dismount. <laughs> wow, dude. Ride the tiger. Wow, well, Christopher, Christopher Small. I did not see that. Riding the tiger. That's I, uh, what I'm going to gather from that. Yeah, I didn't know. Um, There's the E flat against the F flat. Oh. That is uncomfortable. Yeah, it drove people crazy. There were actual like, yes. riots. Yes, yes. Hold on a second. Hold I'll just keep doing it. No, no, no. I'm going to try something. I'm going to try something. Stop doing it now. <laughs> right now? Yes, please. Okay. Wow. Hold on. Can you hear it? Although I'm just going to pull back and say that we're listening to Rites of Spring and Leonard Bernstein is conducting. So I'm going to scoot it ahead a little bit. Hold on. We'll, we'll listen to a little bit of the end. That's it. Wow. So that must have been... So have you heard that story before, Chris, about how people went crazy? I think I have heard there's, that. There's a theory that... that um, well, it's kind of true, is that things that were dissonant, um, the dissonant becomes relative. It is, it is relative, and it becomes less so over time. So in the past, like at that time when they played that music, our ears just weren't used to it. But by now, by present day, yeah. we, we our ears yeah. are so have incorporated so much more dissonance oh, that, yes. that it doesn't sound as, as crazy as it did to them back then. You know, huh. in jazz, crazy, though. jazz is based on a dissonant interval. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a whole style of music. That, it, do dissonant interval on that thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was called the it was called the devil's interval um, by the churches, and they made these organs and and they 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 left that that interval off because it was it's a um, what is it a? You hear that? Yeah, that that does sound scary for some reason. It's a flatted fifth or um, a augmented fourth, but that is the interval that jazz is based off of. Oh wow! Wow, that's awesome. It's 
So that's like a basic one, four, five. Daddy, where are you? Right? Been? It's a blues thing. <laughs> and yeah. And so that was that's way less dissonant now. Now we are dealing with all kinds of distortion and right. Stuff. Right. Right. Got my point. Oh yeah, for sure. That was great. Wow. I, I what I got out of that is that jazz is the devil. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's what we're promoting. That's, that's our central <laughs> that's message of this show. There are that's many ways central, to interpret it. There's a, you know why? You know ways. what? So, you know what we haven't talked about yet on this show, Chris? Weed? Yeah. I've been so into the music, <laughs> but jazz is a perfect end. <laughs> jazz is a perfect end to talk about weed. Um, but a lot of big things are happening, and I'm trying to think of what to land on. Oh, this is kind of interesting. I was just in Texas last week. Um, was it last week? A couple weeks ago. Anyway, I met these women. Uh, I-, I was hired at the very last minute to, to MC the whole day of a Women of Cannabis conference. And nice. Yes, yes. They just... These women are coming to town to put this conference on at the Rooster Tail in Detroit. Do you know the Rooster Tail? Yes. It's you know famous venue, whatever. And these women, um, I, they put on some Facebook comedian site. Uh, we need someone who can like MC an event and who's kind of a comedian, but also is cool with weed. And I'm like, that's my that's exact literally <laughs> that's who my I middle am. name. That's what my cards say. And then. Um, I met them the night before the event and then emceed like an eight to five event with speakers and all this kind of stuff. Oh in my this, God. Yeah. In this famous venue, uh, which is, you know, like Elton John has played there and the temptations and, you know, it's amazing. Nice. It's right on, right on the Detroit river. It's beautiful waterfront. And so then there, there are all these women like, you got to come see us when you come to Texas. You got to see. I'm like, I'm never in Texas. Like I'm never in Texas. And literally a week and a half later, I'm being booked to go to Texas. (laughs) And I'm like, well, Texas is huge. You know, it's massive. And so I'm staying with, uh, Kia and, uh, Rob and they live in McKinney, Texas. And um, I text my friend, and she's like, you're 2.5 miles away from me. <laughs> oh, my God. She was wow. right down the freaking road from where I was staying. And then she goes, oh, there's a History of Hemp conference today at this bar. Do you want to go? So I had been in, like, sales training mode, and then I'm staying in a house with two huge dogs and three little kids. And you know what I mean? I'm so out of my element in so yeah. many ways for like the last eight days. And then Stacy comes and picks me up and we go to this place and it's like, Hey, Oh my gosh, these are my people, you know? And, yeah. um, because it was just like, Oh, I know this scene so well. Like that guy, that's the event guy. He's doing his thing. This woman is anxious because she has to speak. These people are trying to sell me something. You know, these people care about animals. They're all about it. I get it. I know how this works, but it was like a very interesting, they can't talk about legalization, decriminalization, any of that yet. They're starting with hemp, you know, so they did a nice. whole like hemp event and there were, they had they did have like flower CBD though they're like CBD right. legal with flower, so um, yeah so that and I think there's uh, a lot of bipartisan push for reforming bank laws and rescheduling, which is kind of like Yay. the way the movement is going. Federally, That's awesome. state by state, and federally, 
So Texas um, will get it. Texas will get it. Yeah, you know why they'll get it? It's because there's money to be made. And have you ever been to McKinney, Texas or Plano, Texas? I've been near Plano. Oh, well, they're these like big new cities that are just kind of high end cities, you know, big, wide, okay. wide sidewalks and everything works and everything's new and groomed nice. and like there's money there, you know, somebody's going to want to make money with cannabis. There's going to mm-hmm. be a big Texas business who wants to get into cannabis. I'm sure it's already brewing, you know, there's room to grow there's room to expand a business, to cultivate. There's room, you know, and there's money. And yeah. there's people with money that would buy things. And so I can't see it holding out for very long just because of business, yeah. you know. So it was amazing. Like living in Ipsy, I'm used to just, you know, potholes and <laughs> you know, crumbling yeah. buildings and stuff. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's Soul. beautiful. Authentic. Soul. I love it. I love it. But like I, I was just like astonished the whole week I was there. I was like, wow, that thing in that building is the only thing that that building has ever been. <laughs> like that's always been yeah. a Qdoba. Like right. it was never a radio station. Right. It was never a tattoo parlor. Never served sandwiches. Right. You know. Yeah. Right. Ipsy's not like that. Ipsy's like, wasn't that a gas station? It's like, yeah, but it's a microbrewery now. Mm-hmm. Very creative. Yeah. Of course it yeah. is. Yeah. Wasn't that a kennel? Yeah, but now it's tattoo parlor. <laughs> oh, listen. <laughs> hey, Todd, Jesse had a good idea. Have you ever done like an Ipsy-specific tattoo show? No? Why did you say how many are in Ipsy? I didn't no, even I realize this. I don't know. I just know that there seem to be quite a few in Ipsy. Oh, so. I thought you said there was like something like 12. No, Were you just exaggerating? I for was a exaggerating. Fact? Oh, good lord! Fact, yeah. Can't trust right. him. Can't trust him. I don't really him. know about tattoos, so. Okay, okay, fine, fine. It was an offhand remark. Um, strike it, <laughs> strike it from the record. Okay, it's been strucken. <laughs> um, let me see if I have any more notes. You guys talk amongst yourself about anything about going to. Chris, well, well, what's you know, the best concert? Do you have a a concert that really stands out? It doesn't have to be the best, but one that really stands oh out for you as God. being unique. Um, God. I can start. I uh, I when I was a- on it. eighteen, I my parents bought us tickets, and I didn't want to hang out with my parents when I was eighteen, and um, but I wanted to see Paul Simon. So, and my brother came, and so we had the best experience just on the lawn, mid-70s, bright sunshine. Nice. Paul Simon, then in Hugh Masekela, Miriam Makiba, Ladysmith Black Mombazo, they were all there, and they were all just amazing, really spiritual, upbeat music. Um, okay. That's amazing. Hold on. Hold on. I cannot believe you said that. Cannot believe you said that because last year at, um, gosh, it used to be the ski, it used to be the ski resort, but now it's called DTE. You know what I'm talking about? That concert venue? Pine Knob. Pine Knob. The, the Knob. Okay. Did you see Paul Simon there last year? No, I did not. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hold on. Let me see if this works. This is his like millionth encore.
Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He did so many on, you know what I mean? It was like, he didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to leave. That's and awesome. Everybody was standing up and crying and singing, holding on to each other, like over and over and over. And it was one of those nights where it's like, hey, do everybody that wanted to go got to go. Then all these other people were there that we knew. We had this great big patch on the lawn, and it was 77, yep. you know, and That's no that bugs. Same kind of it was like, no ah! bugs. You know, it was it's like, awesome. I, I couldn't get over it. Like, I was so. You know, 50 ways to leave your lover, me and Julio down by the square, everybody singing Mm -hmm. together, and him just like standing and delivering because he's older. That's amazing. You know what I mean? He's just standing there being awesome. Oh, do you? Yeah. Go. No, I'm not. What was it? I was trying to remember 50 ways, but I forget. I know it goes. Make a new stand. Oh, yeah. No. Um, it's not I know it's really not my problem to intrude. I forget the risk of being rude. <laughs> yeah. There must be 50 ways to leave your lover. It's not quite there. Am I on the wrong key? We'll try it later. We'll try it later. You have it. You got to get out the other thing to play. Chris, did you come up with a concert off the top of your head last couple of years? Well, as always, I I can't think of a specific one, but I do have like I I got to see Fiona Apple play in the Boulder Theater, oh. and it was empty. It was it was <gasps> wow. like I think Bob Dylan was playing in Denver that same night, and there was literally nobody there, and oh, wow. I I literally could see. I could see, I, I could practically smell her breath. I mean, I was so close to her. So that, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, that Joan Armatrading concert was also uh, pretty yeah. epic. I've never forgotten it. And mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. about once a year, I get on and stalk and stalk her and see where she's playing. And I've actually played with the idea of going to Europe to to do a, like some shows and follow her out there. I oh, thought that would be gosh. so fun. Wow. And then, like, you know, I've seen Paul Simon. I've seen—I mean, I've just seen so many shows. I also saw Lucinda Williams play at the Boulder Theater, and that was pretty amazing. Mm. That was pretty amazing. I mean, I saw—I've seen—I don't know. I can't say of one is my most epic because I feel like every time I say that, I end up at another show, and yeah. it's like so good. But yeah. Um, when I was a little kid, my dad took me to New York City, and I saw um, Annie the Musical on Broadway. Oh yes, <laughs> I feel and like I it saw was, that. It was epic. I've never forgotten it. Oh yeah, never. That's great. I yeah. wanted to be Annie so bad. It was amazing. It was amazing. My, yeah. My first entertainment business heartache was when I realized that, like. I would never be like Annie has to be an old enough actor to work and small enough to be a tiny kid. And I was like five, yeah. seven when I was nine years old. You're giant. You know, You're already like, giant size. I was like, yeah. wait a minute. I'm already practicing this stuff. Like, 
Yeah, Shelly, Annie can't be huge. She's not huge. She's a tiny child. That's that's how that works. But she's got to be like 11, you know, acting like a five-year-old. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God. We're my actually dreams doing aren't going to come true. <laughs> just one more plug for Ipsy Sings with Soul, which yes. is on July 5th at the Ypsilanti District Library, mm-hmm. Michigan Avenue branch. Yes, go, people. Uh, 6 to nice. 8, July 5th. This is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um what Hard Knock Life. We're doing Jay-Z's version of Hard Knock Life. Oh, my right. God. Cool. Well, slightly different awesome. from Annie's, but it's Empty very good. Empty belly life. Full of sorrow life. No tomorrow life. <laughs> may I answer that question? <laughs> yes, may, please. Concert. Go, concert, Todd. Pink Floyd. <gasps> when? Back in 94. Oh, yeah. Wow. Three and a half awesome. hour show. Oh, yeah. Three encores. Mind blowing. No opening band. Wow. Mm-hmm. Dark Side of the Moon <gasps> in its entirety. No oh way. Oh, my gosh. Fuck you. I saw Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> I saw Dark Side of the Moon just at the planetarium, at Cranbrook mm-hmm. Planetarium. And if you're looking for a quick, surefire way to trip your balls off, like, nice. do that. A quick, surefire I mean, way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're down. like, I wonder if I smoked a little weed and sat in this fully surround sound. And, and they do it. They I thought it was going to be like that old movie, Dark Side of the Moon, you know. But no, yeah. it is this high level, trippy, like dripping over your face visuals that's kind of surrounding you while the music is playing. And the sound system in there is so good. Do you, have you ever been to that Cranbrook no. Planetarium? No. Oh, my gosh. Like seven of us went together. It was... You know, I was like holding on to my chair. The the guy who leads you in there and takes your tickets and stuff, he says, um, real, he's all like dapper. <laughs> he says, hey, this is just a show, folks. We're not moving your chairs. If you feel like you're going to be sick, just close your eyes. It gets kind of a crazy ride. You know, he says this little like cutesy warning at the beginning. I'm like, whatever. Oh, my dude. God. Whatever, dude. And then I was literally gripping my chair because <laughs> it's like yeah. this intense psychedelic surround with dark side of the moon playing it was heavy duty it was awesome wow yeah that's intense and Mm -hmm. detroit was the only place that had dark side of the moon played oh really no way only where was it where was it silver dome silver dome packed oh my gosh that would be amazing i've never had so many joints pass to me Oh, I bet. At the age of oh, 19. Yes. Oh, of course. In my life. Like I had to sit for That's two amazing. hours. Oh, my gosh. Chris, did you go to that Rolling Stones concert in high school that my mom went to with us in Clemson? Does this sound no. familiar to you? Oh, okay. uh, well, I went to one in Clemson, but I was in college. Oh, okay. I don't remember. I, I just remember, college, like, my yeah. mom went. It was, when like, a played. whole big family. Like, mom and all the kids. You know, like Billy and... Jimmy Wilson, you, you know what I mean? Like it was a crew. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember Honky Tonk Woman. Were you? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, was there. I was trying to remember. Yeah, I drove home with a, one, one of my roommates and um, we went gosh. to see it. Yeah, it was awesome. Yes. Oh, I just thought of another one. Okay, yeah. This might be the top. I saw Rush in, in the Greenville Auditorium. What? Greenville Auditorium, tiny tiny ass old school all wooden on the inside tiny little stage greenville auditorium i drove home from college to see rush that is definitely the best concert wow. I, I have ever seen About i was so how many close people to them were in and the, they fucking rocked it they how, rocked how it. many people were in that venue approximately oh my god 
a few, a few, a few, a few thousand. Sure. Seriously, like maybe wow. three, wow. maybe tops. And that's it. Was it was small. And that's it something to remember like, because Neil Peart's out of the group. Yeah, yeah, he stopped playing drums. Yeah, he just because of his health. Mm-hmm. I saw the Who in. I feel like maybe I was with Robin Youngman. Seeing the Who. That sounds right. Like in that Charlotte, right. North Carolina. And yeah. that was pretty epic. That was pretty epic. Was John Whistle still alive then? Do you I know? I don't know. I just remember, um, like, really, re- so this is something we can kind of pull this all together with here towards the end, is like, the experience that he analyzes, Christopher Smalls analyzes the experience it, that he's calling musicking with the backdrop of the symphony. Um, and it and it's such a if you like philosophical or analytical or educational music theory kind of thing you'll probably find it. We were talking about on the way here like the reason why it's not a fast read is because there's like little mind blowing things he says here and there. You know, I read a few of the quotes and it's like, oh, I've never thought about it that way, or oh, that's I've never been able to put that into words. You know what that experience is, but the way we're talking about like when I think about the who. Um, the Who is a band. Even when I started listening to them, they were already like pretty old. I'm still listening to them. Like in December, I'm taking my friend's kids. You know, mm. we went to the planetarium. We we did this whole thing. So they're starting to love. Oh, I'm sorry. I was talking about Pink Floyd. Who is this? Oh, John Antwistle. Um, they were. Uh, I mean, but I've been loving Pink Floyd for so long. I've been loving the Who for so long. I did yeah. Tommy, you know what I mean? I love the musical. It's crazy. You know, like the musical of Tommy is one of the craziest pieces of art. It's incredible, you know? And so what I wanted to pull <laughs> yeah. it together with is like what I have never thought was fair, and maybe I read too much into it, but in the music world, I feel like there's this reverence for something like, this is the rites of spring. But then I'm like, well, what about Dark Side of the Moon, man? It's so good. <laughs> you know, it tells this old it's giant so story. It's epic. It's got a, all this orchestration and motion. Da, da, da. In my mind, those are like equally masterpiece like, you know, and They're different from different yeah. cultures. From so. different cultures. But I feel like there's people who would go to the mat with me on that and be like, oh no, that's rock and roll and this is this. But I'm like, no, no, it's it's the same, you know. And then even when that music gets interpreted, like I just thought of another great concert, different side, top of the park, My Dear Disco. Remember My Dear Disco? Mm -hmm. When My Dear Disco, the year after Michael Jackson died and everybody was covering Michael Jackson and Michelle Shamuel was just crushing it. And it was this gorgeous night, like tons of stars. And Michelle did a few Michael Jackson songs and it was just Everybody in Ann Arbor was dancing and freaking out about My Dear Disco, and they were so cool. And they were, you could feel like they're all on the brink of like getting ready to go out and rock the world. And they have kind of, you know, but it was this little like, that was awesome, you know, that was a great one. Mm. So, any other masterpieces of rock or jazz that you would like to throw in the mix mm-hmm. with Rites of Spring or? Well, um, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue is the highest selling jazz album of all time and so it's it's definitely uh uh, a masterpiece of sorts Mm. oh yeah improvised music yes yes 
Oh, really? It's all improvised? Well, it's Is jazz. Is that a dumb question? So it's jazz. So there are... There are it's jazz. There's, <laughs> some, there's a melody and chords, but then the chords and the melody are played with throughout, just twisted around and, and played with by the musicians. Oh, wait, Chris, I think I really liked not the lack of dancing of Bonnie Raitt, but just how I'm in Vegas... I'm going there for kind of what I think is going to be. I, I haven't really been to Vegas. I'm ready to party, you know. But it turns out yeah. it starts getting kind of eaten up by this meeting, right? This like little company meeting. But when we first signed up for it, they're like, we're just going to have fun. And then they start planning all these meetings. I'm like, well, I'm inviting, right. I'm inviting my best friend. <laughs> and she's crashing it because everybody's bringing husbands and wives. And I'm like, well, my friend is coming and we're going to maybe skip some of those meetings and party. And I get there a day before her and I'm driving to see a client that I have in Vegas and I pass the Palm Hotel and it's like, tomorrow night, yeah. Bonnie Raitt. And it was just, there were just tickets. She was just like right over there. And I got them when Chris gets there. We're like fourth, we're four rows back from Bonnie Raitt. I was yeah. so in love. She was perfect. She was perfect. Yeah, she, we were so close. We were so close. Damn. So these are all, wonderful. yeah, working out those ideal relationships within these rituals. Oh, yeah. These concerts. Oh, yeah. So let's do this real quick. Hold on. <laughs> let's do this. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see if we can find it. Okay. Ooh, here we go. So what? So there's a there's a head, which is the melody that's played at the beginning by mm -hmm. everybody. And then it breaks off into solos. And the the chords are the same, but the musicians take turns uh, practicing or playing right. uh, creatively and expressively yeah. around those and in, in relation to them, against them and with them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I so there's tremendous independence and freedom of, for the individual instrumentalists, artists. Like that's the ideal relationship in jazz is that yeah. the the individual has has um I want you to No, I want you to take us out on the melodica. On the melodica? Yeah, cuz we've got just a few minutes and has the opportunity well to uh express their creativity oh yeah yeah oh you knew i worked at the firefly club didn't you have i known you that long when i, I used know. to work at the firefly i'll listen to it see if you can play it i gotta take a picture of this Okay, hold on one second. Hold on, pause one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap us up, and then I'm gonna have you play until we're out. Okay. Sure. So, okay, thanks so much. This has been Reeds and Weeds. Uh, thanks so much, Chris. Glad to have you back, my lovely. It's good Hope talking you come with back. you, Shelley. Chris. Hope you come back. Thank you, Todd. Yeah. I'll be back. Um, 
And uh, we're going to go out on Jesse playing this melodica. Super groovy. And please join us next time when we're doing Eleanor Oliphant is totally fine. Is that what it's called, Chris? That's what's yeah, next. I didn't know we were doing that next. Woo! Yeah, girl, you say the words. Okay, so Jesse, Jesse, take us out. Take us out. <laughs>